Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Christian Vanek with me. Christian is the CEO and co-founder of Survey Gizmo. Survey Gizmo is an online survey company that aims to give business-to-business companies, researchers, nonprofit organizations, and educational institutions the tools needed to create online surveys questionnaires and forms. Hundreds of millions of surveys have been completed with SurveyGizmo. Welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here, Christian. How many hundreds of millions of surveys have been done? Because my numbers are probably, I, I had about 200 million, but that was a couple of years ago, I believe, those numbers. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not entirely sure. We don't usually uh, aggregate those metrics. Um, we probably should. Sounds like great marketing material. In general, it makes a great, on, on great title. Day, <laughs> on an average day, we do about a million survey responses, and that can go up to four or five million, depending on what's going on. So, um, that's a great, great one too. Uh, I might use that. One million surveys in a day. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about um, <clears throat> back in 2006. Uh, you and your co-founder started Survey Gizmo in uh, 06, and uh, no investment, no employees, just the two of you. Were you trying to get uh, investors in the beginning? No, no. Actually, the idea never even occurred to us. Um, I think at that point, I I probably owed so much money in back taxes, I would be afraid to ask an investor for anything. So, no, we started um, and kept our day jobs. I was doing consulting work, um, and Scott was the director of internet marketing at a market research firm. So that's really how we got started. Okay. And uh, what, what were the back taxes for? My first business. So when I was 20, I quit my job, started a consulting business to develop my own software. And uh, I didn't learn, I, I learned a very valuable lesson in the end, which was a business is not a business without customers. But I didn't know that when I was 20. So uh, in order to eat and pay my rent, I used whatever money I, I made to do that and just did not pay my taxes. Okay. I did eventually. The IRS always finds you. <laughs> yeah, they 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 don't. It's hard to get uh, get a, get away from those guys. So That's not you know, <laughs> so you were. I mean, twenty. That that had to be an amazing experience uh, for you. Uh, can you just uh, briefly talk about that first uh, venture that you tried before sure. Survey Gizmo? Yeah, I was a software developer. Um, I've always been a software developer. I started when I was very young. And I thought that I could actually run a business far better than other people who had been doing it for a long time. I was wrong, but I thought that, again, being that I was 20. So I went off on my own. Uh, I was doing some consulting work on the side and developing a marketing automation platform. And this was in uh, 1999 uh, and the, uh, between 1999 and 2001. And it really was a great program. It was it. If it was around today, it would definitely be competing against uh, some of the the great marketing automation platforms that are around right now. But I forgot a very important lesson, which was without people using your software, without customers to give it value, it has none. And uh, the business pretty much crumbled when I could no longer support the growing costs of it. And uh, yeah, so I I retreated, got a normal job again. And then uh, later on, started another business that eventually led to Survey Gizmo. Okay, so let's get back to being bootstrapped. Uh, 
you know, it seems like there are people, tons of people that won't go 10 feet without taking somebody's money, but you, you chose to go the bootstrapped uh, way. What are some of the advantages of going bootstrapped? The biggest advantage, the one that sticks with you throughout the entire lifespan of, of your company is you only have one customer. So when you take money from, a, from anyone, they become a form of customer to you. So now you not only have the people using your software or consuming your product in order to develop new product ideas for marketing, you also are dividing your time appeasing your other customer that gave you all of that money. And as a company matures and more rounds of investment come, you'll spend more and more time appeasing your investing customer and less your end user. So one of the core benefits of being bootstrapped and staying bootstrapped is a direct and absolute focus on the end customer um, at all costs. So the idea, you mentioned that you transitioned, you got a job after your, your first attempt in uh, business, and then you got a job, and then you started a business that led to Survey Gizmo. So what was that business? I, I called it Cvanic Studio. Uh, which was uh, just easier. I, I learned in my first business not to incorporate too early. Um, so this was just a consulting firm, and I started as side gigs from people that I had worked with uh, in that company that I had left originally. And they brought me new business, and I had really learned humility. So I simply did whatever they asked without questions, and I was very grateful for the business. And it eventually led um, to me meeting uh, Anne Holland of Marketing Sherpa, and Anne Holland was a consulting customer of mine for a, a, a long time, and that's what eventually sparked the idea for Survey Gizmo. She did a lot of surveys, and uh, Survey Gizmo was a tool that didn't exist at that point, something that was affordable but had a lot of power behind it, and that's exactly what she wanted. So, you know, she suggested this idea, got me in touch with a group of 20 other folks, um, researchers and marketers alike, that had similar needs, and between all of them, I formed the idea of Survey Gizmo, built the initial product actually in four days for demo, and uh, the features that people were really interested in, I built out and continued, and the features that no one was interested in disappeared, and Survey Gizmo was born. So, so the idea came from your consulting clients uh, that showed interest in an affordable product, and uh, you worked really closely with those customers to develop the, uh, you know, what Survey Gizmo is. Uh, today or what it was back then in the in the beginning. Can you talk about how customer input helped you to shape the product? Maybe some examples uh, of that uh, in the first year or so? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it still does, in fact. So you have to understand that I was a software developer, and while I did program surveys for some of my customers um, by hand in a programming language called Cold Fusion, I didn't actually know much about survey research at the time. So I relied entirely on what these basically 20 mothers and fathers of Survey Gizmo uh, had to say in terms of what features that we needed. Uh, one classic example was uh, a feature that we refer to as piping, which allows you to repeat a page or a question based on the answers to another question. I had no idea this feature even existed or that it would be really valuable, but one of our customers asked for it, suggested that we, we build this one out. I did, and it became one of the major features of Survey Gizmo. And aside from features, what were some, you know, because, I mean, it, it sounds like that your, your first business, you didn't really, you know, customers were not that important. But by, by the time you started Survey Gizmo, it was, it was like a 180 turn. So what were some of the other things that you learned from your customers early on? 
Um, I think the biggest lesson, and, and this came from the first business as well, was if customers are really what makes a business, a product will never make a business, only customers do, um, then developing for them is very, very important and a fantastic customer service is more important than anything else. So, you know, and, and that's even one of our key pieces of, of, it's our key secret today as well. We have fanatic customer service and it creates evangelists for our software. So those initial, you know, 20 or so uh, folks did promote Servigismo very, very heavily in the beginning. But now we're, what, eight years later and we have to make new evangelists all the time. And we do that through our product, but we really do that through our customer service. And that's something that the customers taught us is if, if we leave them with a great emotional feeling, um, feeling valued like we're their partners, not just a vendor, then they're going to start feeling some ownership in the product, particularly if they see a feature that they suggested released at, some, at a certain point. Well, now they feel like they added to it and a little bit of survey gizmo is theirs and they spread us like wildfire and we're incredibly grateful. So give, give me some examples because uh, this is really important. Um, you know, how you turn your customers into evangelists and, and, you know, what do you do as a company, like tactically, that, that uh, nurtures that? Um, God, that's a really good question. It has changed a little bit over time how we do things because now we're a larger company and we have to have processes. At the beginning, we simply hired people that had a great heart for service. Um, so they knew what great customer service was because it would never occur to them to give anything but the best. And we really, I think that really helped us grow from the very beginning. Now we actually train people on great customer service. So it is, um, we have four bottom lines in the company and we are very clear that the first bottom line is more important than the last. So our bottom lines are one, great customer service, two, great software, three, a great place to work, and last, and intentionally least, great finance. It's still important, but without all of the others, we will never grow. Uh, we will just be a, a well, a, eventually we would go out of business, I think, without all of the others. It's so funny because if you look at a lot of these Fortune 500 companies, the number four, the lowest priority in your business is the highest, you know, uh, finance and revenue and profitability. And it seems like nobody cares about the customer and, and the quality of the product or any of the other stuff when, well, once you go public, I guess. Yeah, I guess you have to look at it. Uh, the, uh, I guess it's like what we were just talking about. They have another set of customers. So they are thinking about their customers, but their customers are the customers that own stocks or are their board or are investors with, within their organization. And they focus on those customers. And for them, they want to see profits out of the company. For us, because we're bootstrapped, we can focus on the end customer. And I do say that now, at being larger, I have two customer sets, but they're in perfect alignment. My two customers are my customers, their employees and their families, and whatever we need to do to make them successful, and my employees and their families, and whatever I can do to make them successful. But we're all keeping an eye on the next step up. So we sort of draw an inverted pyramid when we're talking about um, the hierarchy of customer uh, the hierarchy of survey gizmo, sorry. I'm at the very, very bottom and I serve the employees and the employees serve the customers and we all keep looking in the same direction. Wow, that's, 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 that's great. Um, you, you and your co-founder had kept your day jobs during the first uh, year, first year or so in business. 
What signs did you see that it was time to quit your jobs? Uh, well, Scott quit his first. Uh, Scott McDaniel, the other co-founder. Um, so he started, I think, uh, after six months, but didn't take any money out of the company. So he was living off of savings for a while. Um, I continued my consulting jobs for, I think, two years after we first started. Um, I think the first hire was the best indication that this was going to work. And it's a serious job now. And there's nothing quite like having your first employee to make it feel very serious. Um, and uh, we actually hired a developer and a customer service representative first before Scott or I took a salary or any even really anything out of the company. Uh, so our first two hires were not us. So, so once you hired people, then you felt, uh, you know, we are responsible, more responsible now. And, you know, it, it was like, I felt like a more of a real business at that point. Oh, yeah. It was, there was nothing more terrifying and, and fun, I suppose, but really terrifying than, oh, two people rely on us for their incomes. That's pretty serious. We have to take that seriously. And, uh, you know, before when we weren't taking any money out and, you know, Servigismo was paying all of its bills. We've been profitable for, since the first year, but the first year's profit was only $14 in the end. Um, it made us really careful to the types of risks that we would take. And I think uh, the slow growth methodology really took off from that point on. We would only grow if we had, and we'd only in reinvest in the organization, the profits of the organization, and that would allow us to grow safely and securely. And let's talk about slow growth a little bit because, again, when you talk about companies that take money, uh, you know, they have to explode. At least that's what the investors want. So in a case where you're bootstrapped, that's not a high priority. Yeah, so, if, you start, if you start growing faster than, than you can actually support, that's a, that's a massive problem. Um, I think actually our, our steady growth from the very beginning has been one of the greatest attributes of our, of our company because it allowed us to learn as we were going, to go from a startup business with entrepreneurs to employers, to managers, to and then managers of managers. And we learned all of the pain points that you never – that, that you everyone has to go through, but no one is actually prepared for. And and that enabled you because uh, customer, uh, you know, great customers, great software, you know, great place to work. Those were the top priorities, not not money and profit. Right. Um, our growth pattern has all, and our marketing strategy has always been word of mouth. So you know, we just started this year really doing um, advertising of any kind. You know, so eight years, it's been our customers being our marketing platform. So great customer service and wowing them and keeping our, our net promoter score as high as we possibly can. That was our, our, our key success in the beginning. And I think for any small business, regardless of whether or not you're software or you're a brick and mortar business or a restaurant, that is key. No one spreads the word as well or as cost effectively as happy customers. I'm so glad you brought up word of mouth and the fact that you, for the most part, haven't really done advertising uh, because there's so little talk of word of mouth that everybody's talking about seems like social media. Uh, and, then, and then you actually look at numbers of businesses, real businesses like yours, and, and you see that it's really word of mouth that makes a big difference in the growth of your company, not anything else. Well, I think I'm actually sitting in the marketing room right now. I'm I rotate through departments, and I think 
that the marketing team would probably agree to me, I really don't understand social media at all, but it does have really good use in business. But if you're not doing anything that anyone wants to talk about to begin with, social media is not going to do anything for you. It accelerates what you can do, as I understand it now. It doesn't replace something to talk about. To talk about the first uh, from I, what I read about uh, your company, um, I read that uh, some of your you know first uh, consulting clients were your first customers for Survey uh, Gizmo. But let's talk about who were like the first hundred customers. How did you get those customers? But I mean, you talked about word of mouth, but was it all word of mouth? Those uh, first few hundred or one hundred customers. It was all word of mouth, and um, there was probably a little bit of traffic that we got from the Powered By icon at the, on the bottom of our surveys, um, but for the most part, it was all those core first customers telling other people about the cool software that they built with me and how it was so much better than what was out, uh, what was out there. It had all those advanced features that everyone loves, but it cost so little, um, or you know, it might co if you're coming from the other end, maybe it costs a little bit more than what you might be paying, but you gain all of these cool features that no one else has. And they were very excited and passionate about it. And, and that's what really spawned the, the first group of 100 customers and, frankly, the thousand that came after that. So what do you think those other companies, I'm talking about some of these competitors that just didn't get it. What what are they not doing? Because I mean, it happens in all industries when you know there are companies and they're just banging their heads against the wall, you know, and and then these other companies like you know uh, Survey Gizmo, you know, they gets it right. What what do these other companies don't do or or fail to see? Well, I mean, to be honest, there's in our industry there's hundreds of competitors, not just a few, um, and most of those hundred competitors don't know the value of the customer, they don't have the brand recognition, the word of mouth isn't there because um, they want to be software as a service and use that as an excuse not to talk to their customers. But then you actually have um, some big players in our industry and there's nothing wrong with their model, it's just different than ours. Um, most of them are now venture backed or have been around for so long that um, that they they basically have their own funds to do these sort of uh, to do whatever initiatives they want, but they work off of a, an older model, more of an advertising model, um, uh, or a heavy sales model. So on the higher side of the market, where you know survey software starts costing forty thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, you really have a very heavy sales cycle, and each of those. Each of those companies and vendors may only have a couple hundred customers at, at any one time, but they're worth so much more than, um, than one of ours. It's just a different model. Um, being a consultant, I remembered what it was like to lose 25% of my revenue, my business, um, that I needed to eat and pay my rent when I lost a single customer. So it was very important to us that we had a pricing structure that allowed for anyone to come in and use Survey Gizmo and not have to really worry about how much it's going to cost. But also, if people wanted to leave, I didn't have to beg them to stay or, or use contracts to threaten them <laughs> so that they had to stay. You know, so we worked on a very democratic platform. Um, we don't hold people to contracts. Um, we actually don't have contracts except at our very highest uh, level. And uh, you know, every single person in this company is free to give unlimited refunds if they want. Um, if a customer calls and say, hey, I just want this one feature that isn't available at my plan level, we tend to give it. And we're not afraid to say it. Um, honestly, most people are great 
no one really games the system. So let's talk about today, 2014. Um, what marketing channels are the most effective? You mentioned word of mouth already. Uh, you know, you also mentioned that you know you guys do some social media, obviously. But what is aside from word of mouth? What else is working? Um, that's a really good question, and uh, I think that's one of the reasons I'm sitting in the marketing with the marketing team right now is we're trying to figure that out. Um, to be honest, our social media presence is a lot of support. So we're simply out there because it's a different way for our customers to reach us and get answers to questions. Um, we've tried outbound sales several times, and it really just does not work more with our culture than probably that it doesn't work at all. Um, so how does it not fit into your culture? Are you talking about like cold calling or telemarketing companies? Yeah, we're talking about cold calling, direct marketing, reaching out to customers that have not reached out to us first. And um, we sort of have a culture with high customer service where we treat, there's nothing more valuable than our customer's time. So interrupting one of our potential customers' day with a message that they didn't ask for um, most of the organization is rapidly against that type of approach for sales. So we tend not to do it because we just can't support it culturally. Um, so we're all inbound. Um, when our customers sign up for an account, they don't have to give us lots of contact information. If they don't want us to contact them, we won't. We encourage them to contact us because that tends to work the best. Um, and have you, been, have, have you been struggling with this at all? Like even, you know, to try to outsource some of the, the outbound, let's say it doesn't fit directly with your, your culture internally. I mean, has it been a, a struggle at all uh, over the years not to have that part of your business development? Um, well, because it, there's nothing wrong with necessarily outsourcing things, but because one of our um, bottom lines is a great place to work, um, we tend not to outsource anything because we can't guarantee that outsourcing firm would believe in that same value. So we, in general, do not outsource any aspect of SurveyGizmo anywhere, um, and we really probably never will. So we're all located in Boulder, Colorado, and we all work together. And while we occasionally work from home, if there's a reason to, the team spirit all being in one place is really, really important to us. Um, I would say that this has been on our mind a lot because SurveyGizmo grows at an incredibly steady pace uh, year over year. Um, every year we try new things and we accelerate it just a little tiny bit. Um, and it, I think that's just the constant struggle of business is finding new ways to reach out to customers in a way that meets and, and uh, upholds your values as an organization. And it's it's funny because we keep coming back, or at least I am, as we go through this interview, to your four core principles. Or, and, and you know, again, finance and revenue on the bottom, and you know, it makes perfect sense what you've been just saying about you know the outbound marketing and, and all that. That it just doesn't fit into the culture, and you know, it's it's not not the highest priority. It's the lowest priority of the of the four. So uh, again, it's so good to have things like this, uh, you know, these core principles for companies, I think, because it really helps you kind of grounds you and guides you every day with every decision that you make pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be honest, we had these same values when we first started, but it wasn't until I was introduced to a company in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, uh, Zingerman's Deli, which I don't know, maybe you've heard of. They're a great organization and they have their own bottom lines. I believe they have three uh, which is great service, great food, great finance. If I'm, I'm, I believe I'm quoting that correctly. And um, 
the key there after learning from them was write it down, communicate it, start forming a, a, a understanding of why these are important bottom lines for your business, and then teach everyone in your organization those bottom lines. And that really, we, did, we started doing that about three years ago uh, as we started getting larger and larger. And it has definitely made an impact on our business in a positive way. So since uh, so many different companies and institutions are using surveys, how do you decide what markets to target? And even though we talked about that most of your business comes from word of mouth, but I'm sure still, even if you're not actively uh, marketing uh, to these uh, industries, but it still has an impact on your business, or does it? Oh, it, it definitely does. That's, uh, I'm sitting here smiling because that is a problem. Uh, in a weird way, survey software is like Microsoft Word. Every organization of every industry has a use for it, and uh, it's compounded by the fact that a good 40% of our customers don't use us for surveys. They use us for feedback forms, marketing automation. Um, we have one company that uses us to register flight plans. So, it, you know, it, it, people use us for all sorts of things. Um, the, that has always been a tricky bit for marketing and has probably gotten our way um, in terms of creating specific marketing material. So what we did about a year ago uh, was we decided that trying to segment and limit by a specific industry or a specific job title um, was not going to be the best way for us to segment our market. Instead, we should probably put our own voice and our own personality out there. And one of the things that uh, we want to resonate with our, our core customer is, are you going to like us? Are you going to like our tone and our personality? Are we going to be able to, to get along well and be a very effective unit together? So if you look at our website today, it's definitely more whimsical than the other vendors in the industry. And that's because we want you to know the type of people we are. We're fun. We're going to be your coworkers. We will do whatever is necessary to make you successful. And we're going to laugh at ourselves as we're doing it. So we'll take you seriously, just not us. And uh, it was a very strange marketing message to put out there, um, but it has, it's one of the few things that we've done that has been incredibly successful. So let's talk about uh, U.S. versus international growth. Um, how much of your growth comes from the U.S. market versus international? Um, about 35% of all of our business is international. Um, so it's, and it, it is growing. A couple of years ago, it was 30%. Um, so it's actually accelerating as we get better at working with folks overseas. Um, most of our presence overseas is obviously in English-speaking countries, but um, that's also changing over time. Has that surprised you about SurveyGizmo? <laughs> it surprised us a lot. Um, we, didn't actually, we didn't actually promote ourselves overseas too much. Um, and, you know, just suddenly in... European countries, uh, particularly the UK, um, Denmark, Germany, we just started taking off. Uh, and I cannot forget on the other side, um, New Zealand and Australia, where we're very popular. Um, and it's been incredibly pleasant. Um, might be because of our sense of humor. It's a little European, but... <laughs> what are some of the challenges of, of trying to grow internationally? Cultures are different, and regional cultures can be different. Um, and 
being an American company, I mean, we do user tests all the time. And I remember listening to uh, one woman who was on our marketing website and describing what she was seeing and, and feeling. And she looked at our 800 number and went, oh, it's an American company. And we were sort of taken aback because to an American company, an 800 number is a great thing. You know, it's a free number to call. Um, but it definitely, but depending on where you are in the world, it's not going to work. So it really opened our eyes to the way that we present ourselves internationally and making sure that we're accessible to international customers, uh, which is still probably the, the greatest challenge that we actually have. As I mentioned, we're all located here in Boulder, Colorado. And while we've expanded our hours for international customers, uh, for some countries, we're just not available on the phone for their entire workday. Do you have any kind of projections when when SurveyGizmo will become more of a global company as opposed to a U.S. and international company? Um, I would say that we're hoping that in two years it will even out to be more like 50-50. That's, that's definitely one of our goals. That is incredible. Uh, you know, I mean, you hear it all the time that, you know, Fortune 500 companies, they, they do most of their growth, in, you know, in overseas or, you know, outside of the U.S., but it's nice to see, you know, small companies to do that as well. That's the great thing about the Internet is provided you understand some of the difficulties that, that can be created when you go overseas, um, it, it does make you available. Now, the downside for us is, again, you know, this is where our bottom lines can be a little limiting. We believe in great customer service. Everyone being located in Boulder, Colorado, can we still offer our overseas customers great customer service? And until we can guarantee that, we're not willing to invest heavily in marketing overseas. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. How many users do you have today? I believe it's 270,000. What about employees? Because uh, I, I, I read some articles, and I think I, but it was like 2012, so maybe about 50 or so employees. Where are you today? I think we're around 74, um, and we have, a, and I think that's because we have a group of uh, four new employees in training in the other room right now. Can you share revenue numbers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this year we're projected to make between 10 and 11 million. Um, and by 2015, we are hoping to make 15 million. So 15 and 15 is our is our plan. Oh wow, awesome! How is your role changing as the company is growing? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, so originally, I was not the CEO. Um, my business partner is actually retired, although he's still involved in the business a bit. Um, I was the CTO in charge of all the technology. Um, so what I did learn is, is that when you are the CEO of a larger bootstrapped company and you are an entrepreneur at heart, um, there is a lot of reality that has to come crashing down. So the first is I don't spend a lot of time worrying about investment revenue. So I have a lot more time in, than some CEOs to devote towards business development here in the company. So that tends to be much more of my focus. Um, as an entrepreneur, I like problems to solve. So one of the downsides is I need to make sure that I don't cause any uh, just so I can solve them, which definitely was <laughs> no one's laughing <laughs> in the background here. Um, <laughs> and uh, the other thing I noticed was that I, as a manager, 
I learned that the best way to manage is to communicate really, really clearly and then get out of the way. So I actually have, over the last couple of months, been spending much more time going from department to department doing jobs, um, so acting like a, a regular support person with no special authority, no special powers, uh, coming into marketing and doing the same thing, or to our onboarding team, and seeing what it's really like to work in the organization now, eight years later, and seeing what problems have developed culturally over the last eight years that we could address and solve together. Um, and that that's mostly how I spend my time now as a CEO, is trying to solve problems to make my employees' lives better, remove obstacles for them, and create a great workplace. Great. What is your goal for Survey Gizmo? Um, you know, let's say, I don't know if you think five years ahead or ten years ahead, uh, if you could, like, draw the perfect Survey Gizmo business, what does it look like? I think Survey Gizmo will always look very much like this. I'm hoping that from an employee standpoint, while we have other products, Survey Gizmo will probably never have more than 100, 120 employees in and of itself. Um, we do like small teams here. Um, uh, I can't remember who said that if you have to buy uh, more than two pizzas for a team, your team's too large. But um, in terms of where we should be in about five years, we hope to continue growing and having increasing brand awareness. Right now, the core demographics that we shoot for, marketers and market researchers combined, we have about 40 to 45% brand name recognition with them. I'd like to see that more about 80%. We're probably going to keep our prices right around where they are right now because we feel like it's a really good balance between the value that you get and the cost you have to pay. And again, we don't want pricing to be an issue for people. Uh, so yeah, we want to just increase our market penetration, increase the, the um, penetration of SurveyGizmo worldwide as a great survey platform. And um, dare I say it, hopefully be known uh, just as well as SurveyMonkey in the field. So my last question is, if, if, if a friend came to you or somebody in your family that currently had a job but saw your success as an entrepreneur and say, uh, Christian, I, I want to succeed in business, what is the one thing or the first thing that you would teach that person? The first thing that I would teach that, that is... The first thing that I would teach them is listen to your customer and, if possible, let the people that you want to serve, your customers, tell you the problems that they have and derive a business from solving that problem. Don't sit in a dark room, come up with a product yourself, and then tr spend all that time trying to sell people on something that they probably don't really need. Um, there's so many problems out there to solve right now. Find a group of people, listen to the problems that they're having, solve a problem for them, and ask them how much they'd pay for that solution, and start a business that way. Well, Christian, thank you so much for coming on Success Harbor today to share the story of SurveyGizmo, um, you know, the company you and your team are building together. I, you know, it's just I, I hope you can maybe come back in a year or two and, and talk about how, you know, SurveyGizmo is becoming more and more of a global uh, uh, company and a more recognized uh, brand, as, as you mentioned. How can people find out more about SurveyGizmo or connect with you? The easiest way is just go to our website, which is surveygizmo.com. Um, you can also reach uh, us on Twitter. If you want to reach me, it's just Christian at surveygizmo.com or CEO at surveygizmo.com. Uh, inside of the app, there's just a button to email me if you ever lose that information. Um, and in terms of learning more about us, the website will tell you a great deal, but if you really want to get to know us, just pick up the phone and give us a call.
Sounds good, Christian. Everybody out there, check out surveygizmo.com. And um, thank, thank you very much, Christian. My pleasure. Thanks so much, George. Bye, everyone.